Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome. Hey. How are you? Hey, bud. How are you, brother? Andrew Shell. (laughs) Hey, bud, you want to know what we're talking about? Oh, wow. I've seen that. I know something about that. Uh, that. My copy, it's all marked up on my shelf somewhere here. Welcome to the Rap Report with your host, Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretation and application. This is a ministry of striving for eternity and the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Welcome to another edition of the Rap Report. I'm your host, Andrew Rappaport. Glad to have you here. I am the president of Striving Fraternity and the Christian Podcast Community. I'm joined with none other than Bud the Wiser. Greetings, brother. <laughs> How are you? Well, I don't know that I'm any wiser, but I hang around you and it rubs off. You know, proximity matters. Yeah, well, we... we, we you, it surprised you with this uh, guest that we have in the back. I, I refused to tell you what the topic of this show was going to be. Didn't even tell you that there was going to be a guest. Uh, just figured I would surprise you. You do know this guest personally, so uh, you've you've actually wait. You you actually endorsed his book. You know, there, were, you know, there was a, a a thank you in this book for to to Bud here, as I think I remember seeing in the. I gotta look for the the preface here where it dedicates to you in this book. Oh, I mean, that's no, that's no. you know. I was you, joyously <clears throat> surprised by this, but now my concern is there are two witnesses against me. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, re- <laughs> I'm, I'm still I'm, anxious to see where this goes. It says I, I am thankful for the many people who who challenged me to think through these issues and whose thinking has impacted my own, especially Andrew Smith, Bud. You, you, you're number two in this. You know, wow, and then Kofi's mentioned in here. Wow, I mean, that's you're mentioned with with you're mentioned with guys like Andrew Smith, Kofi, Mike Riccardi. I mean, they, you know, come on, man, you're you're up I there know. now. I'm blessed with being in an orbit I do not deserve. <laughs> so, welcome to the show, uh, Anthony Forthus. I, I know I mispronounced it, but you're going to correct me on the on the, on this pronunciation of your name. Because uh, I, I I've never actually heard anyone pronounce it, so it's Forsyth. Forsyth, okay. Yeah. So uh, the, you you recently, thanks to um, a fake pandemic, I mean uh, I mean uh, uh, a disease that was spreading so violently and wildly that we had the same exact death rate as um, we had years before. So, uh, but but it caused you to think through some issues, and you you've come out with a book called Caesar and the Church: A Biblical Study of Government and the Church, and that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Is really Romans thirteen? What what is it? We've heard a lot of people explain Romans thirteen, and I, I'm going to encourage people to get Anthony's book. I'm going to 
just give a plug for it first, then I'll have him introduce himself. But uh, Caesar and the Church is the title. It is, what, about 150 pages? Yeah, 147 pages. I got through it in one Sunday afternoon. So it is, it's a, a quick read, but a very good, thorough handling of what really should be behind our thinking when we approach Romans 13. So um, let me first ask you to introduce yourself to the audience. And then after that, why did you write this book? Um, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know what you really want for introduction. I'm Anthony Forsyth. I'm a, a pastor in uh, Burbank, California, um, living under the shadow of uh, John MacArthur, who's just 15 minutes up the road, which uh, is <laughs> small. <laughs> so, um, but um, I've been a pastor for about 20 years, uh, just over. Um, and um, why did I write the book? Um, mostly because. Um, my my understanding of this topic was was um, I won't say it was wrong, but it was certainly shallow. It was certainly insufficient. And I'd taught um, through First Peter not that long before, and <clears throat> and the, the the understanding that I had and the depth to which I had it just proved to be insufficient for the, for the challenges and the issues that were being raised through the government overreach during um, the COVID era. So um, I kind of had to find answers. I had to know, okay, what are we doing and why are we doing it? Is it okay to open? Is it not okay to open? But at the same time, you're seeing different churches take very, very different viewpoints. One of the most strange things in our area was that there were other churches that we considered to be absolutely on a par with us theologically who just totally bowed before the governor, doing everything that he asked and more. And so it became essential to really have answers and reasons. And for me, it was um, it was very much a gradual process. I, uh, I got some things right initially, and there were some things that I kind of had to work through, and I kind of read and listened and... Um, took input, heard out people who had different views and and gradually worked myself um, into what I believe is a biblical understanding. And then after, I don't know, it must be about a year or so, year and a half after the, the, the church reopened, um, I kind of was like, okay, I think, I think I understand, I have the parameters of, of, of understanding here biblically that I can just, I, I think I finished teaching for a book of the Bible and I was about to start another one. I just did a, I did a three week series of uh, sermons that was just designed to draw a line under it. It's like, you know, we talked about this a lot. I, I, I'd done a kind of a 15 minute pre-sermon ramble of, you know, this is where we stand on masks and then a 15 minute, this is where we stand on this and what have you over the course of time. And it was a case of, okay, I can say what I need to say, cover all the main bases, and in, in a few weeks, I can draw a line under this whole issue. And then courtesy of people like Bud, who heard the sermons and started sharing them around, the sermons became a book, and I still haven't finished talking about it, but <laughs> so it's, it certainly wasn't drawing a line under it. But it, it drew a line under it in the sense of, 
Um, I feel that uh, I feel that in the book I covered everything that I mean. You, you know, you, you could do this in far more depth, and I always try and point people to um, the sermons of Chris Leduc up at uh, Canon uh, Bible Church up in Oregon. He's he's doing an astonishing job just going through all the thinking and ramifications and what have you. Um, but but my, my whole book was designed for somebody who isn't particularly heavy in their theology, who is, who is theologically light, who perhaps goes to a church, doesn't even do expository teaching, that just so that you can that you can understand the principles in a simple way that we can walk people through it step by step. And it is it is logical and it's it's progressive in the sense that it it just goes from point to point, building on the previous points, and it makes I think a fairly irrefutable argument. And if, and if anyone does take issue with it, and nobody really has in any major way yet, um, then the structure of the book allows them to say, okay, well, it was chapter six or chapter seven where it, where where the argument broke down for me. Um, so I think I think it's. I'm really happy with it, quite honestly. I think it's a good, it's a good thing to present to anybody from any church background, yeah. um, and and as long as they theoretically believe in the authority of Scripture and the authority of God, it should walk them through to the correct biblical conclusions. Well, that's actually how I described it recently to someone. Is it, it really is the first book that I'm recommending to folks now to get when they're trying to deal with the whole issue of the role of church and government, because it really is a good primer for it. This is, yeah. this is like the first book to get before you jump into any of the deeper ones, because this lays that good, easy to understand foundation. And like yeah. I said, you can get funny, through it. Funny in a story day. for you, Andrew. Uh, there was debate over whether the subtitle should include exactly that word primer, because it is a primer. That's what it is. It's yeah. the start. And there was debate over whether the um, the, t- the subtitle should include the word primer. But um, I, 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 dr- I opted out on the basis of the argument that the, some of the people who I thought should read it might not know what primer a primer was. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we need a primer to explain a primer. You know, I, you just, I but I just realized, son, do we do we need translation for him? He, you know, I, what what is that language he speaks? <laughs> well, it is English, but it's the pious English that you and I have no ability. We've not been gifted with that tongue. Yeah, is that, You've so, not listened to enough Lloyd-Jones sermons to be struggling. <laughs> so, yeah, he, so you're originally from the Deep South, right? Yeah, the, the Deep a, South of England, close to, close to the channel, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the things I, when I, I ended up teaching midweek Bible study through this past year through first Peter, because I anticipate that we as believers are going to be dealing with more and more persecution. And as I went through that and was getting to Peter's explanation with government and submission to government, and he puts that in, I mean, there's, he has a whole category of submission period and lots of ways, the extremes of submitting, submitting, you know, to government, submitting to a, you know, a, a slave to a master, a woman to, you know, to an unsaved husband. So it's all these kind of extremes of, of submission. And I was going through it, and this is one thing you picked up on. When, when I was teaching through First Peter, I made an argument I didn't really hear people making with this whole, throughout all of COVID, 
with submitting to government, because we were hearing this, right? Bud and I, you, you and I have talked about this on the show and mm. on Apologetics Live, this whole idea of what does it mean to submit to government? Do we, do we, is it really loving our neighbor by wearing a, a, a face mask, you know, uh, which you made it all the way, Anthony, to was, I think, Ireland without a mask. So, <clears throat> you know, on a flight. Yes. So, I mean, it took a few hoops, <laughs> a few hoops. But you, you actually were able to do it. I, I've, I've only, I would, I'd get on the flights. I have to wear it getting on and off the flight. And then yeah. after that, I would take it off. <clears throat> but, uh, one of my proudest moments getting, getting from my house via Uber to LAX, from LAX to Heathrow, from Heathrow in an Uber to, um, to the place I was staying in England and then getting to Stansted airport and flying from there to Belfast airport. And every single step of the journey had a mask mandate. And I didn't have to put a mask on once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so rebellious, <laughs> but I love, but you know, I mean like you, we think through all of these things we've been hearing about all these mandates and obeying the law and loving your neighbor and, I started as I was going through First Peter, and this is one of the things early in your book, you make the point, and you're the only person that I've really heard make that this point other than me, was in, in America, the president's not, when we talk about who is Caesar, it's not the president, it's not Congress, it's the Constitution. And so when they make, when the president makes mandates that are unconstitutional, it's not, and, and you make this case, we're not going against Caesar. Yeah, it's funny you picked up on that, actually, Andrew, because, and say you hadn't heard it, because I only mention it almost as an aside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I heard it so much. Um, <clears throat> and, and, one of the, and I think the context in which I mentioned it early on was in the context of, it's all well and good, you Americans saying, well, I'm going to submit to government and the government is ultimately the constitution and not the president. And that is all well and good and accurate. But that doesn't help our brothers and sisters in Christ. Correct. In Australia, in New Zealand, in Canada, in, in South Africa, in, in Europe, and, and so on and so forth. And so I kind of almost mentioned it in passing because I think there's, there's two aspects here. I think aspect number one is 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 that that is absolutely true the way that the american government with the highest authority um is the constitution um in 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 a, in a in a legal sense and and so um that is a, that's something that obviously needs to be remembered but my concern about it was actually almost the opposite mm-hmm. was that there were christians in america who were saying well romans 13 says i have to submit to the government the government's the constitution this, this mandate is not constitutional. Done. Finished. Period. Yeah. That's it. And that, 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 A, doesn't help your brothers and sisters in other countries who don't have the constitution and don't have a constitutional government and, and are in a more sort of socially democratic democracies. Um, but equally, it doesn't wrestle with Romans 13 at all because Romans 13 doesn't say that. And that's really the whole premise of the book is that Romans 13 is... Um, Romans 13, one has, oh, you know, even, there's even half a verse there. It kind of ranks alongside Romans 1, 16 as being one of the, the most quoted half of verses in the Bible. But you mm-hmm. just grab a phrase and wrench it from its context. And, uh, okay, that means you've got to do what the government tells you. We've got that's done. That's finished. And, and so I, th- I, think, I think the kind of the, the, the strength of the book is that, 
It builds up on a logical foundation. Mm-hmm. And by the time we get to the center and the heart of the book, dealing with Romans 13, I exegete Romans 13 in such a way that a Christian who goes to a seeker-friendly, charismatic, um, non-expository teaching church who doesn't even know what exegesis means can be walked, held by the hand and walk through Romans 13 in a way that is simple enough that they understand it, but in depth enough that they've been introduced to exegesis and expository teaching without even realizing it. And that that's my strength in ministry, I think, and that was always the goal of the book. Well, that was one of the things I saw with the book was you lay out, before you get to Romans 13, yeah. You lay out, okay, let's, let's look at culturally what's going on, what, where we get the whole idea of, um, you know, delegating from. Cause so you, you first, and let me just let's mention, I mean, so part one of, of this is a biblical foundation for principles. And that, that whole, those five chapters, and each of these chapters are short, folks. So, I mean, you can get through a chapter very quickly. But that laying of the foundation... I thought was outstanding because you you didn't even really deal with Romans thirteen at that point. You're just like let's look at the issues, and yeah. and and then then you end up part two of your book is what has Caesar been delegated? And this that I thought was so great because I don't think people really thought think through it the way you laid it out of you know God is the one that gives Caesar the delegation. They, they, Caesar yeah. doesn't have it. Government doesn't have a delegation because they're government. They think they do, yeah. <laughs> and then part you you, you, you can't you can't and it's very you know just in in principle you 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 can't deal with the question what authority has God delegated to Caesar until you've helped people establish the fact that oh yeah God has all authorities <laughs> to delegate it for anyone else to have authority and it's such a basic concept but. But ironically, it's something that most Christians haven't actually worked through. And so that's why the foundations were necessary before, because otherwise, how would you exegete Romans 13 if you're just coming with the premise that, that, that you know, Caesar can make up rules and do what he wants? And, and why, why wouldn't he be able to, you know? And sadly, that's where most Christians are coming from today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because you're two, two-thirds through the book, before you get to part three, which is responding to a biblical understanding of authority. Like you, you're two thirds through the book before you actually deal with Romans 13. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, you know, it's, 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 um, I think the structure is the real strength of the book. I mean, you know, like one example is that, you know, I am, um, I'm, uh, I'm seeing a chiropractor at the moment and I, I gave, uh, it's, it's a Christian chiropractor, they're a Christian office. Everyone who works there is a Christian. And, uh, I gave everybody who works there a copy of my book, um, when I showed up. And uh, each time I go, he says, oh, I've got a little bit further. He doesn't, he doesn't read much Christian books, but he's, so he's kind of just doing a few chapters, a, you know, a week, and he's gradually working it through, and he's, oh, yeah, it's really good. And, and he's the target audience. He doesn't go to the kind of church that we go to. He doesn't read a lot of Christian books, and he's only reading, the, you know, these, these are like 10-minute chapters, and he's maybe reading one or two a week. But he's getting through it, and he's following mm-hmm. Argument and he agrees with what I'm saying, and he said, "I never thought it through like this before." That's who it's for, you know. Well, I, one of the things I just want to interject that is so powerful about the book, even though it's it's pithily written, the principles there are bottomless. I mean, there is such depth there that you need to be launched into. 
your ability to have put it in a pithy format and make the argument, especially with and before ever going to what is authority from Romans 13, you're dealing with the principle of authority. And Christians don't look behind the content of the text that's being cited to them. Oh, well, we've got to shut down because the governor says we have to. Well, you're not asking the question about the issue of authority. And you lay that out. That is, it's an exceptionally wonderful benefit for people that will work through that and think through that biblically, because this is the foundation of Romans 13. It is dealing with authority. Who can do what? What can they do? What are the parameters? Uh, And most churches didn't do that. And you and I talked about it back in January when we did our podcast. You know, people just sort of pluck a verse out of Scripture and say, oh, well, there you go. Well, no, it's not there you go. There's a lot behind uh, the context. And that's part of the problem with Christianity generally right now. We've, um, I, w- I did another podcast with a lady called Lynn Brown who, 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 who mentioned to me that by the first time I've heard the phrase, she talked about soundbite Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, um, I thought that was a really lovely expression, you know, that we are in this, this, this generation of Christianity where our faith is expressed in a meme or in a, on a coffee mug or um, you know, we have these, you know, everything is, is boiled down to these kind of little sound bites. And, um, you know, there's, there's times when that's good in the sense that, you know, like, you know, being pithy and communicating a lot in a few words clearly is a helpful tool. Mm-hmm. But in time, the, the, the impact it's had on the average Christian's ability to comprehend the concept of context has, has been devastating. And it will impact the church for generations forward if the Lord tarries, you know? Yeah, I mean, the thing with the need for something pithy is because we're in a culture now where people don't read generally. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're helping support the film that hopefully at the time that we're recording it hasn't fully funded on Kickstarter, but we hope it will. The, the film cessationist. Um, The, the whole thing with that film is, you know, people look at the strange fire conference. No one, no one is going to go online and watch, you know, however many sessions were there and no one's going to get the book and read. I mean, there's people that will, but these guys realize they need something that is in a, entertaining media format that's teaching, but it's got to be like no longer than two hours, you know, an hour and a half or two hours because the culture just, they're not going to read a book. Generally a a large portion are not going to read a book. They're not going to watch something that's too long. Uh, We're in this culture where it's got to be quick. And, and this book, I mean, it's less than 150 pages uh, a quick for someone who reads a lot, like you know, you can get through it in, in an afternoon, like I did last uh, uh, was it last Sunday, Sunday before. Um, <clears throat> but but this is this is a book that anybody can pick up. And well, read. I just I, I want to defend the the brevity of the book. That is not um, a liability. That is no. an asset. Correct. Because ultimately, we need to understand that. And, and I don't mean this in, the, in a bad way. The Christian faith is a simple faith. It's, it's very simple. There are principles there that are easy to grasp, easy yeah. to understand. But if you jerk a principle out of its context, then 
you can go crazy with it. And that's what's happened with this. And, and what Anthony has done is taken these simple principles that, that logically and reasonably build to, well, how should I respond in a COVID, you've got to shut your church sound situation. Is there authority there for them to tell me to do this? So the, the brevity of the book is, a, is an asset because it reflects, we've got a simple faith. It's not simplistic, but it is, it is a simple faith, and we yeah, can I understand hope, those principles. I hope that I would. I mean, I, that's what I was trying to say is that. Yeah, you I, were. Okay. No, no, I just yeah, you got me nervous there. Different way. <laughs> and because, because the thing is, look, this is the thing that I liked so much about the book is that it is short. I mean, it's what, like 15 chapters or 16 chapters? Let me just double check. 16 chapters in a book that's, you know, 147 pages. So obviously every chapter is short you can you can get through this quickly but the the thing that i think you know let, let me let me talk to bud and pretend anthony's not here cuz he'll get a big head <laughs> we don't want to give him a big head no but you know what what i really appreciated out, out of this book is that it deals with the issue of the the a christian view of government and the church and and how they interact but there's so much that as I was reading through it, I was realizing there's many things that people that are discussing this subject take for granted. And what Anthony did was say, hey, let's step back, <laughs> start at the beginning. This is a really simple thinking here. Let's step back and, and get our thinking straight. And then once you did that, it's like everything, it's like dominoes. There, yeah. there wasn't the need for a long, lengthy diatribe because he, he, he backs up the reader, says, okay, let's back up and get an understanding of, of the, the concepts here. What are we dealing with? What's, the, what's the, the context of Romans 13? And then just let the dominoes fall. And, and yeah, as soon as you get started, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. Like you, the reader is getting there as Anthony is, is leading us to there. It's like, I'm, I'm naturally getting going, well, this is the, this is the result of that. And then he says that it's like, he's just yeah. leads you in that way. And yeah, he does. Like an interject and in a way that you're not supposed to yeah, be talking about. Right yeah, now. you can't interject. We're talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> in a way that ma- maintains my humility. Um, <laughs> It's the part of the reason for that is because I wasn't informed. So, so people, I mean, so many people have said this, that, oh, you, you know, you take the reader and you, you work on the premise of no understanding and you walk them through. Well, that's because that was my journey in a, lot, a large degree. You know, when, when this all happened, you, you talk to a guy like Christopher Duke, who's kind of so well versed in all of this. You know, I spoke to Chris a lot and he really helped me in my own thinking. And, you know, you, you know, sphere sovereignty and, you know, Kuiper's books and blah, 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 and all of this and that and stuff. But I hadn't read any of that. Otherwise, I'd have known, I, I'd have been doing as well as he was from, from months earlier. And, and, so, and so for me, the, 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 what, the reason that the book is, walks the, the reader through so carefully and slowly is because that was my own journey. And and if I if I had been more well read when I started the book, the irony is the book wouldn't have been as good, <laughs> you know, because because I would have just made too many presumptions and I wouldn't have been as clear and I wouldn't have broken things down as carefully. And and certainly the structure in the sense of you know God has all authority, He delegates authority, His authority is limited. That came about was because simply because that's how it clicked for me. 
And I tell you, I look back at that book now and I look at, okay, so how did I come up with this? Well, I did it. So I did it in the preparation for the sermons. Well, how did I come up with that? Well, I kind of was kind of working through this in the year before and I kind of look back now and it's a blur. And I just, I just praise God because, you know, it, it's, it, I don't think it was through any ingenuity. I think, I think that, you know, God just providentially took me on a journey so that I could help other people who needed to go on the same journey. If I'd been smarter, it wouldn't have been as good a book. That's my that's <laughs> the Cliff Notes version. But funnily enough, an, an, an embarrassing story for Bud, this is funny. Bud, when he was helping me with the early drafts, he made a couple of like, why didn't you put this? And he had a couple of suggestions for like a paragraph here and there, and rewrites. And I was like, Bud, I don't understand half the words you've just written. <laughs> There's no way that my target audience is going to understand it. Some some people just are too clever and read too many of the Puritans to be able to uh, (laughs) find a book that I wrote. That is is not a liability, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Me me being a little less educated educated than some people is uh, it worked out as as putty in the potter's hands on this occasion. Yeah. Well, you're you're not implying that Bud's large words would put your audience to sleep or anything, are you? <laughs> listen, listen, I, I, but, but my, my, I'm jealous of Bud because my wife says that his, his voice is the most soothing and listenable to voice there is, where I know that if I say anything for more than about two minutes to her, she'll switch off. So uh, well, <laughs> Bud is, Bud is eminently listenable to, and, uh, no, and, and you know what? I, I, I'm not. I'm not too stupid, too stupid, or too proud to recognise my role in ministry. In that there are, and in all seriousness, there are guys out there who are astonishingly bright, astonishingly clever, astonishingly well read, and people like that help people like me. And my realm and my gifting is communicating to those truths two people who wouldn't be able to read that amount and cover that kind of depth and wouldn't have either the ability or the inclination and to simplify these things without shortchanging them on the meat uh, either. And I, and I think that's kind of my niche in ministry. No, I think it's wonderful because the Lord providentially puts you in this context historically, this historical context yeah. of the COVID thing. Where so many churches, so many pastors, so many believers were getting this issue wrong, and they were getting it wrong because they didn't have the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And and you were gifted to be able to come and bring a biblical and reasoned argument on the fundamentals that necessarily lead you to a right application. That's your gift, brother. That's not uh, that that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the strength of the book. I, I, but, I, you know, with what you said about Bud's voice, I don't know that's necessarily a good thing because we do have, we do have a listener to, to the podcast that she called the ministry one day and, and was saying how she, she listens, she has to listen to my podcasts and Matt Slick's podcasts every night. And then she told me the reason is because is her dog won't sleep without hearing our voices. <laughs> So she plays it in a loop. She's like, my, she goes, so I'm like, so you're telling me that I put your dog to sleep. 
You that, claim the ministry fame as a canine sedative? Oh, yes, well, hey, hey, listen, this will be a rabbit trail, but we, we have a, a woman in the church who she went to witness to a, a neighbor this week, and she's talking to her neighbor, and her neighbor says that Christianity is all made up. It's all, you know, she used the, the word for BS, right? So, so it's, all, it's all BS, right? And, you know, then she proceeds to tell the woman in our church that she's got to go because her dog is going to have surgery and she has a pet communicator coming over to the house to help her understand how her dog feels about the surgery that's coming up. The the woman in our church puts this out in our church group and goes, and she thinks Christianity is the one that's made up. She believes in a pet communicator, (laughs) but it's Christianity that's made believe. We're back to Romans one again. Oh man! Yes, Amen. We should. We should. She should have got her friends have gotten you around because you could have put. I could have put the dog to sleep, and yeah, yeah. You know, but tell you what, that's a sentence that um that is a really good illustration of the importance of context. Yes. Puts dogs to sleep. Yeah, there you go. But listen, if 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 you do need to get a good sleep, I would suggest that you get a good pillow from our sponsor, my pillow, you know, there you could get yourself a good night of sleep, even without the sedative of Andrew's voice. That was an amazing segue. (laughs) But if (laughs) Bud laughs at my segues, but if you, so if you want to get yourself a good night of sleep, get an American made, my pillow, great night of sleep. Uh, you get just use the promo code SFE. SFE is stands for Striving Fraternity. That lets them know that you heard about it through us, so that they continue to support us. I do suggest if you want to get a great night of sleep, get their three inch mattress topper. It is phenomenal. I am so glad that I had gotten that. Uh, you can go to mypillow.com or call one eight hundred eight seven three. 0176 that's 800-873-0176 and use the promo code SFE. So, yeah, Bud never knows how the segways are going to come. He's starting to get used to it, but uh but Bud is actually wearing a t-shirt in 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 honor of not knowing you were coming in. By God's providence, Bud, what does your t-shirt there say? Yeah, this is shout out to Rashad, my brother. The government is not God. And, and that's right in line with, Anthony, your book, that what you deal with, because so many churches were actually acting as if the government was God. If, if they, I mean, government says shut down, shut down. There are still, still, I know of churches that are still closed. Really? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, I, think, I think our I mean, I know, I know I live still doing that. Yeah, I know I live in La La Land out here in, in the LA County, but I mean, I still see people occasionally driving in their cars alone with masks on. Yeah, I, I okay, I saw a guy driving a motorcycle with a mask on. Yeah, I've, I've got a photo of a guy in a convertible with the roof down and a mask on. <laughs> yeah, so I pulled out the camera and took the photo kind of at the stoplight. It was like I have to, I have to document this. Uh, wow cultural insanity yeah so you know this book that you wrote i i mean i don't think you set out to say oh i want to write a book because and this is your first book and so this is something that i think for a lot of folks there's been lots of debate on the issue 
And so let me ask you the, the question of why do you think, because I think this book is really helpful for people to, to kind of start in this discussion of debate of how churches should respond to government. But to ask you, why do you think there is so much debate on the church conceding to government? Um, it's, it's simply because we've, you know, it's like that old meme about, you know, uh, hard times create strong men, uh, strong, you know, strong men create good times, good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. And, it, you know, we've had a period where we've lived in the Western world where we've been able free to worship and we haven't, we haven't had to address this issue. And I think it, it's created a, 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 that, that, that kind of cultural background combined with church going into this era of soundbite Christianity where, you know, people's understanding of scripture is determined by memes and, and Instagram posts and, and, and these various little soundbites. You put those together and everything is overly simplistic. And so, you know, the Bible saying, you know, submit to, to governing authorities that's it. That, that, that's as deep as most people's Christianity goes, sadly. And so, and so you know, the, the, the issue that I address at the beginning of the book is that the reason that churches have had such different views, well, rather than the, the surprise is, is that churches have had such different views on what to do in practice, despite having the same interpretation of Romans 13. So in America, you've had churches that have said, well, the Bible says we've got to submit to the government, so we've got to submit to the government, and you've got two churches that believe that, and one of them has their church open in defiance of the government because they say, well, the highest authority is the Constitution, and another church has got its church closed down because when Newsom says jump, and they say how high, and he says six foot, and they jump seven to be safe. And that's how... Bizarrely, we've had in California, certainly, we've had churches doing the exact opposite in practice and yet having the same flawed interpretation of Romans 13. And like I say, the the cultural background and the church background has led us to this kind of this volatile cocktail of misunderstanding. And um, the solution, you know, I think I've expressed in the book, which is working through the issues one at a time, working through these foundational principles. And, and really what they're doing in a, in a subtle way is, um, I suppose negatively speaking, you could say they're giving them enough rope to hang their own principles. But, but it may be in a more positive sense, what we're doing is we're, we're taking the principles and we're, we're making them think through the false logic that they have. So when a Christian says, well, we've got to submit to the government, so the government says do this and we have to therefore do it, end of story, you're like, okay, so so why does the government get to say do this? Is there anything that they would say do that you wouldn't have to do? And you, you're making them think through these things so they can see the ridiculousness of what they're actually saying. And it all begins with the first principle, which is something that all Christians seem to agree on which is that the Bible clearly says that God has all authority. So if God does have all authority, then any authority that anybody else has is essentially God's authority that's been delegated. It's not their own authority. And I think once you've got over that first hurdle, then everything else just starts to fall like a line of dominoes. 
Yeah, man, it's a, a brilliant point. We're, we're with uh, author Anthony Forsyth of the book, Caesar and the Church, which we recommend you getting, because what you just said there is is helpful, because I think that is why when I every book I've been reading on this subject goes back generations ago. We, we haven't had to deal with it because we have had an easy, you know, we've had hundreds of years, at least in America, we, we've really had it easy, but we haven't had to really struggle with persecution mm-hmm. in, in a lot of the world. I mean, there's some places where they do in Middle East and, and elsewhere, but for the most part, Western Christianity hasn't had to deal with persecution. And so that's probably why we're going back several hundred years to find people that are writing on this. And I think that's a brilliant yeah. point to make. Yeah. And, and, and like I said before, you know, my, my book is, is by someone who hadn't read that history for people who've not had, not read or are likely to read that history. And just to take them through the principles, for, you know, for somebody's thinking simply in our era. Yeah. So, you know, with with this, I mean, you've you've said who your target audience is. Clearly, not Bud. Um, he, he knows too many big words. <laughs> I was going to buy it anyway. He like he likes the topic, so you yeah. know, I got those sales anyway in the bag. It's for the other people. But do you, no, do you, I was listening to the sermons. Back to what you said earlier, I was listening to your sermons um, as you went through this, and and yeah, so I read a lot of Kuiper. I'm, I mean, I'm a Kuiperian kind of guy. So you're you're <laughs> teaching and preaching what the same principles that he developed from Scripture, and and you're applying them in this unique circumstance. Um, so I immediately saw that, yeah, this is absolutely biblical, you know, particularly with a sphere of sovereignty. Now, you didn't define things the same way, but that's okay. Um, it's still biblical. It still is principled. It still is the fundamentals. And, and that's what the church needs right now, because what we've gone through, this is a blessing of the Lord, this whole COVID thing, not only to teach the church, and you've been part of helping teach the church, but also to prepare the church, because the other side, the enemy has learned something through this COVID too. They've learned that they can assume control where they don't have authority. They've they've learned that, and they're not going to forget that lesson. So it's been preparatory for us as, as a church to know how to respond when the next thing does come down the down the pipe yeah amen couldn't agree more yeah yeah because that is a good point but the government has been trying to encroach upon the church i mean you just have to look at the history of this of the statement the separation of church and state in america right you think about when thomas jefferson first said that he he wrote that to a church saying the government won't encroach on the church there's a separation of church and state the state is not coming into the church how's that used today they're, they're saying that this this church has to be completely out of i mean yeah. we just had a ruling from the supreme court where they said that if you're giving money for in, for education you can't say that your taxpayer dollars can go toward any school of your choice except a, a religious one because that is violating the the constitution that, that that's discrimination because you're choosing a certain people that can't get that tax money but what what was their whole argument they're going well they can't get it because there's a separation of church and state they're, they're saying no the, the the state they were 
you know, the argument has been for the last 50 years is that the state or the church can't be involved in the state at all. But now since COVID, we're seeing a new change in, in the definition of church and state where the the state has the right to encroach in and speak for the church. I mean, the reason I think churches have to be open is because it's kind of in the name church, ecclesia. It means a gathering (laughs) together. That's what church means. You can't do church without gathering. It's required. (laughs) So, and Zoom just isn't a gathering. So the, the thing is that it's within the name, but the state is trying to say that they can say what the church can do. I mean, this this was one of my arguments when in New Jersey when I lived there and they were looking to legalize same-sex marriage. One of the questions I asked when they had the open town hall is are you in favor of a separation of church and state and every one of those congressmen said yes. And so once I got them all committed to that I said then you need to stay out of the religious issue. Marriage is a religious issue. It's not a state issue. You are violating your your view of separation of church and state. Stay out of our issue, which they all just laughed at and went and voted for it anyway. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't that illustrate, um, Andrew, just how far we've gone with statism? Yeah. It, they don't, the reason they laughed you off is because they don't view marriage as a religious issue. They took over marriage. God's God's design marriage, God created marriage, God defined marriage, and now it's theirs. They've taken it over. They get to define what marriage is. They get to control it. They get to regulate it. It's theirs. They've taken it over. That really is, you know, what we're talking about in in the book with statism is, is it's, it's this, this encroach in which the government says, I'll have that. Oh, and I'll have that. Oh, and I'll have that. Oh, and I'll have that. And they are taking things from God that God never gave to them. And, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, I think one of the things that's come out from the book is just how few Christians understand the purpose of government, why God has delegated authority to government and what authority the government does have. I mean, I have one kind of uh, sort of guy on social media just in the last 24 hours following the, the Roe versus Wade announcement. Um, saying, oh, you know, look at you Christians, you, uh, you know, where's your small government now? You know, you know, government getting involved in this, the government, you know, and all of this. And I'm like, you know, I believe in a tiny government. I don't believe in small government. I believe in tiny government. I believe that God has given the government a very small amount of authority to do a very limited number of things. But one of the things it is authorized to do is to deal with people who kill unborn children. Is to is to not legalize that. It's to protect the innocent. Is to to punish evil. Um, and you know, ag- again, cr- Christians just aren't aren't um, educated enough in these kind of principles. And you know, and again, as we come back to it, that that's what the book is seeking to do: is to give a basic education in these kind of principles. And so, the book again is Caesar and the Church. The author is Anthony <coughs> Anthony Forces. I keep saying it wrong. Forsyth. Forsyth. So, um, I'm just saying it with a, with an American accent. That's all. No. <laughs> no, you, no, you're not. You're just butchering it, Andrew. Just butchering. Yeah. I'm losing count of a number of different ways in which you're butchering it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm trying though. I'm trying, uh, but uh, you're very I, trying. I, but we love you. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but but uh, I think this is really helpful, and I I do think this is a book that that every Christian should get their hands on because I don't see this issue going away anytime soon. If you no. think that well, we're getting back to normal. No, no, we're not. This this is round one of the the socialist agenda. I mean, they're, they're not done. Uh, this is going to continue. And, and if you, you know, my prediction, you know, the Democrats will steal the next election. They, they have to, uh, to, you know, to keep, to keep what they have stolen. And once they do that, I think they're, you're, you're going to, the, the, what you think we went through already is going to be nothing. Cause, cause they're, if they do that, in another election, they're going to need to keep it, and they're going to have to lock down quickly. And it's it's going to be you're you're going to see more censorship. You're going to it's just going to be we government saying we have the right to close churches because we don't like what they're saying. Period. Yeah, that's the yeah. next thing. And if you're not prepared to defend that, if your church is saying, well, you know, government says I got to put it. You, you guys all have to wear masks in church when singing. You know. We we have a, a gentleman in our church who he left his church because they were saying yes we, everyone has to wear a mask while singing everyone has to be six foot away from each other. We we came across local church that was meeting outside and socially distancing and wearing masks and not singing all at the same time. Yeah, well, we had. I mean, the, here's the thing. If, if anyone needed to understand what this was really about, when this shutdown first happened, there was a church in New Jersey where the pastor was arrested. So here's the situation. Police came. The pastor is the only person inside the building. They were doing through a, through a, a like AM or FM radio. Everyone else was in their cars, windows closed, outside listening to the radio and that's how they heard the sermon the cars were even socially distanced they did the cars so they alternated the the spot so even the cars were not like right next to each other every person that was there got a a $1,500 fine and the pastor was arrested for violating what there's no one in the building but him meanwhile that next Friday just up the street there was a police car, as they had always been, right there to, to let people into the mosque. Parking lot was filled and everyone was inside the mosque. And there was an officer right there at the, at the entrance of the, of the driveway, as he would be every Friday. Now, the, the same police department that arrested a pastor for being alone in church and ticketed everyone for being in their car with their family lets everybody meet in a mosque. Now, at least you think that's uh, just one, you know, just one example. Well, you can go and look at New York. New York was, the, the, the mayor of New York was shutting down, in New York City, was shutting down the, the churches, shutting down the, the synagogues. There was a whole issue in New York on Passover. There was a whole issue on, on Resurrection Sunday. But when it came to Ramadan, the the state 
was paying for places for people to pick up halal food for the for them to break the fast in the evening. And the state was actually going into the mosques to mark off where people could be for prayer. Now you're saying, wait, there's a separation of church and state. Yeah, the state was doing that for the mosques. And by the way, they didn't need, they don't need to go and buy a little food. I mean, you can make it, but at the same time, they're shutting down the churches. So if you think this is not coming again and coming in a stronger way, it is. And if you're, as a Christian, not prepared to answer these things, well, that's the very reason you need to get this book, Caesar, in the church. <laughs> Absolutely. This will yeah. equip you biblically. And, and it, it's it going to be interesting seeing how it all pans out in this country. I mean, we're all spitballing in a sense that, you know, we don't know and God could throw us a few curveballs we're not expecting. But, you know, it's time. Like overturning like, Roe. Yeah, that's we're glad glad for the sovereignty of God more than ever, you know, and um, uh, I've said I've been on record for many years saying that I I think I will live to see the divorce of the United States of America. Um, I just don't see how it cannot happen at this point. And I think the way the Supreme Court is going at the moment um, in a positive sense is such that we're just going to see a greater divergence between states. You know, you're going to, you're going to be going from Florida to California and it's going to be like different worlds, you know, different countries. And, um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it happens and when it happens and what have you. But, you know, like you say, people, Christians are just going to have to be equipped. I mean, the one, the one thing that this is doing though, which is good. I was, my wife and I, we follow a Bible reading plan together. And uh, just, you know, she reads it out loud and we kind of, uh, we do it that way. And it's just a nice thing for us to do together. And, and we were reading, through, we've been reading through, um, through first, second Kings. And, you know, it, it struck me some of the parallels in that, um, you know, when you're looking at the Baal worship and you're looking at the integration and, and these kind of things, you know, the, the exposing of, of, statism in this era has been so important. One of the the more radical conclusions I come to in the book is that if God does have all authority, which he does, he does, and if he delegates it to those he chooses, and if that delegated authority is always limited, if he's given government limited authority, if we then allow government to take authority that government hasn't been granted, if we side with government in that matter over God, then that allowing of government to take the role of God in the distributing of authority, that is statism and that is a form of idolatry. Mm-hmm. I think what, what COVID has done is it's exposed a lot of things. It's exposed Christians who are half-hearted. It's exposed Christians who love the world more than they love the things of God. It's exposed Christians who fear death and sickness more than they fear God. It's exposed Christians who have a very low ecclesiology that their understanding of church is, is shallow. Um, but it's also exposed statism and how rampant it is amongst the church. And statism in this era of with, with very little persecution in the West in churches, statism has been allowed to creep in in mm-hmm. innocuous ways, just a little bit more here and a little bit more there. And we've gotten to the point 
where I would, I, I go so far as to say the majority of the evangelical church, those who would describe themselves as Bible-believing Christians, the majority have subscribed to statism that they have given the, the government the role of God in their lives. And if the government says, I want to do this, then the government gets to do it because they are government and they have that high level of authority. And if, if, if nothing else, the book in its most bold moments, and it, it does try to have you know, a lot of the book not being so bold and patiently, gradually walking people through principles. But by the end, it gets pretty bold, and it is a challenge to the idolatry of the church mm-hmm. and all to repentance that we might turn from our idolatry turn from our statism and say, I will no longer worship these other little gods, small g, alongside Yahweh, but I will worship Yahweh alone. Well, that's that's a great way to end it. So folks, go get the book, Caesar and the Church. It is a good read for you, a good, a good thing to have on your shelf and have the knowledge of it. So, uh, Bud, before we wrap it up, I should just ask, are you, are you happy with uh, the surprise episode? This was wonderful. Man, <laughs> no discipline was forthcoming. I'm even doubly overjoyed. Well, we're going to do that after we, we stop recording. <laughs> yeah, we'll oh, go off yeah, please don't publish that. Okay. Anthony, brother, great to see you, man. Yeah, you too, bud. It's, it's always a pleasure. You are... You have become over this last couple of years, you've not only become a good friend, you've become one of my favorite people. And uh, I'm always grateful for you and your ministry. So, uh, Well, you need to get out more. <laughs> well, I agree. I agree with Anthony on that. Uh, I've, I feel the same way. So, you know, it, it, Anthony, you don't know how much Bud has been fretting over not knowing. Well, once he discovered that I wouldn't tell him what we we're doing this episode, he, he's, he's been fretting over this. And uh, so I told him he'll thank me in the end. So, Bud, are, are you going to thank me? Thank you. All right. And Rick Warren, thank you, because I know you probably deserve it, <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> he put this together. <laughs> and, and with that, that's a wrap. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.